0: Hello and welcome to the Reorg Europe bi-weekly podcast. My name is Sean Kureshi, and I'm a legal analyst in Reorg's London office. Today I'm joined by two of our financial analysts, Rob Summers and Carla Wusu, and also deputy co-editor Jayshree Kalia. Today we will be discussing Tullow Oil, Raleigh, and Ted Baker. So Rob, Tullow Shares fell 70% on Monday after the company announced lower production guidance and the resignation of its CEO and exploration director. What's happened to the group's debt?
1: Well, Shantello has two high-yield notes. Uh, they have $650 million of senior unsecured notes maturing in 2022, and then another set uh, $800 million due in 2025. Both fell from about par to the mid-80s following Monday's news. Uh, the group also has a $300 million convertible bond due in 2021 and a $2.45 billion RBL facility.
0: Okay, can you provide some background on the company and explain to us how it got into the current situation?
1: Sure. Uh, Tello is an Africa-focused upstream oil business uh, that has two of its main assets offshore of Ghana. Uh, One is the Jubilee fields, uh, the other 10 fields. And these represented 70% of production in the first half of 2019. Uh, The company is also developing assets in Kenya and Uganda and has exploration activity elsewhere in Africa and in South America. In its half-year results, management had guided full-year production to just over 90,000 barrels per day. This was revised downwards in November to 87,000 barrels due to operational issues. And while this figure was affirmed on Monday, the company said it only expects production in 2020 to average between 70,000 and 80,000 barrels of oil per day. And then in the subsequent three years, from 2021 to 2023, it guided production to around 70,000 barrels, also due to operational issues. So this is clearly a massive lowering of expectations.
0: Okay, so um, how do you think that this will play out?
1: Both the lower production guidance and management changes caught many by surprise. Tallow had been run for ages by founder Aidan Heavey until 2018 when he was replaced by COO Paul McDade, who resigned on Monday. Management has clearly made mistakes over promising and under delivering. So who will constitute the group's new leadership team will be really important. Now there's still value in the business, but its growth prospects have obviously been diminished and shareholders are rightly questioning if it will get back on track. They also no doubt have in mind the company's 600 million pound rights issue in 2017. Now another possibility is that with the company's market cap now at less than 700 million pounds, The group could be an attractive takeover target for a larger company looking to gain Telo's assets.
0: Okay, and how about from a bondholder perspective?
1: So far, management has said that it's prioritizing debt repayments and that it believes it will be able to generate positive free cash flow. For example, in 2020, it expects to generate at least $150 million of cash flow after debt repayments, though this is assuming that oil is at $60 per barrel. Full year 2020 capex is expected to be about $250 million without half spent in Ghana and less spent on exploration activities than the company spent in 2019. Further Tello is also suspending its dividend. However, one potential liquidity risk relates to the group's RBL facility as this begins to amortize in October 2020 at a rate of about $200 million every six months. The risk going forward is that the company needs access to this facility but does not have it available. Further, the Group's operational difficulties may put pressure on its net leverage, leading to the risk that Tallow may breach its 3.5 times net leverage covenant.
0: Thanks Rob. Turning our attention from London to Paris, Kyle, there were some big rally developments, right? Can you give us a rundown on the company's recent announcement?
2: Sure. On December 9th, Raleigh, its subsidiaries, its parent company, Fontier Uri, Fontier Uri's parent company, Finati, and Raleigh's ultimate parent, Uri SAS, all released their respective draft safeguard plans. The companies intend to implement those plans without setting up creditors committees. Instead, the draft plans will be sent to each individual creditor and creditors will have 30 days to answer. Creditors that do not answer will be deemed to accept. The companies intend to obtain judgments from the paris commercial court approving the plans by the end of the first quarter of 2020
0: okay so uh, let's stick with rally since that seems to be most of the uh, tradable debtors what are some of the main features of rally's safeguard plan
2: so rally creditors whose claims are secured by by shares of french grocer casino and that represents around 1.153 billion of claims. Uh, We'll have roughly 85% of those claims paid down on the third anniversary of the plan, with the balance paid uh, at the first at the fourth anniversary. Sorry, assuming they accept. Uh, In addition, they will receive second liens over casino stock. What I found interesting was that the release says that acceptance of the second lien might allow for the implementation of financing for the purpose of early repayment or repurchase. Uh, the rally unsecured creditors, and that's roughly um, 1.6 billion euros of claims, will be paid according to a 10-year term out plan, and the amortization schedule calls for. 100,000 euros paid pro rata in years one and two, followed by 5% principal paid down each year until year 10, when the creditors will be paid 65%. Um, The last annuity may be paid by way of a refinancing, Raleigh said in the release.
0: Okay, but uh, Raleigh is just a holding company, right? Does it even have the cash to pay these creditors?
2: Yeah, so that, that 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 I think is the issue, and probably explains the the discount in the in the unsecured notes. Um, the release does say that that Raleigh and and, and the the parent companies Fontier Uri, Finati, and Yuri will benefit from casino dividends, uh, the sale of non-strategic assets, and different refinancing options. Uh, however, during a casino earnings call in October, when asked how holding company Raleigh's safeguard would would impact casino dividend payment. Casino management uh clarified that the company um, actually reiterated I should say that the company has cut all forms of dividends for next year and casino has been selling assets but it's it's widely known that that the company is still um, somewhat stressed with its liquidity so there 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 are still issues about uh, about um, casino's liquidity and how casino's going to handle its maturities and I think that uh, calls into question um, whether or not there's going to be um, whether or not the company's going to have the ability to, to, to continue to pay dividends out to, out to rally.
0: Okay, uh, Casino recently raised around 1.8 billion euros of debt, right? What do those new debt documents say about Casino's ability to make those dividend payments? Sure.
2: So one item to note in in the OM for casinos 2024 notes, which were issued by its subsidiary Quatrem, um, is that there's a general basket under the restricted payments covenant. It allows for the the greater of 100 million euros and 11% of LTM EBITDA, um, plus uh, from from January 1st, 2021, um, the the greater of uh, 100 million euros and 11% of LTM EBITDA per year. Um, so it, it seems to, to have or, or provide, I should say, uh, some flexibility um, for the company to pay dividends um, should should the, the, the policy reverse.
0: Thanks, Kyle. And now turning to our new middle market coverage. Let's talk about Ted Baker. Jayshree, why have we started covering this British fashion retailer?
3: Ted Baker is an interesting situation because it doesn't entirely fit the mold of the typical type of struggling UK retailer. It's not burdened with endless bricks and mortar stores like many of the retailers we cover. So it's not facing huge rent costs and is less exposed to all the high street uncertainty. It already has an online presence and is an internationally recognized brand. But in the past year, the share price has tumbled about 75%, for-profit warnings have been issued this year, the latest one on Tuesday of this week, and expectations for the full year ending January 25th have been reduced to a minimum profit before tax of £5 million, with a potential outcome of up to £10 million, depending on Christmas trading and final year-end review. The company has said that trading over November and the Black Friday period was below expectations, with lower than anticipated margins and sell through. We also know that difficult trading conditions are likely to continue. The group announced it is fully cutting its dividend temporarily. Now on a last 12 months basis, the company generated about 60 million of free cash flow, Of which roughly 18 million was spent on acquisitions, 24 million on lease principal repayments due to IFRS 16, and about 26 million on dividends, bringing the balance to negative territory. Free cash flow adjusted for leases will will be reduced once the second half is released, and as a result, the suspension of dividends makes sense. Now, the company is also facing a 25 million hole in its inventory. Law firm Freshfields has been drafted in to review the accounting error. And although the retailer has said that any adjustment to inventory value will not impact cash, investors do not seem optimistic. The company has also mandated Alex Partners to review the business. On top of all this, management is in an unstable state after its original founder ray kelvin quit the business following allegations of misconduct ceo lindsay page recently resigned just 10 months into the role and in its executive chairman has also stepped down
0: okay so why is the situation so out of hand
3: well, the retailer blamed a higher level of promotions for the hit on gross margins, but added that the promotions were needed to combat market conditions. Beyond the lower top line and the items affecting gross margin, the fall in EBDA was driven by higher distribution and administrative costs. Distribution costs increased largely from the annualized costs of operating Ted Baker's new North American warehouse which opened in the first half of last year, as well as the costs of operating the footwear business acquired in January this year. The increase in administrative costs was due to investment in staff, including the additional headcount to support the acquired footwear business and infrastructure to support the growth of the business. Exceptional costs of 17.4 million in the first half was a result of accounting adjustments from the acquisition of the footwear business of 3.5 million. Further costs used to investigate allegations of misconduct of the former CEO and the expected loss on the restructuring of Ted Baker's legacy businesses in Asia, which totaled around 11.8 million. Now, looking at the company's cash level, we see that free cash flow calculated as cash flow from operations, less capex, stood at 24.4 million in the first half of 2019. However, lease amortization, which has been reclassified into cash flow from financing, consumed an additional 24 million, completely eroding any free cash flow. We note that the company released 16.5 million of cash through working capital in the first half, there, thereby supporting its cash generation. Despite this free cash flow, Ted Baker still paid 18.1 million in dividends in the first half.
0: Thanks, Jayshree. That's all from us this week at Real Europe. We will be back in early January. <laughs>